Welcome to the Life Central Podcast. It is so good to have you come and connect with us again this week. We trust that this session will be helpful to you in your faith journey. We have the privilege of calling you Lord, the lover of our soul, our Savior. Jesus, thank you for the honor that we can call on that name, the name in which every knee shall bow and confess as Lord one day. We declare and proclaim your majesty in this place and over our lives with all that we are and all that we have, we gladly follow you. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy of it all. You're worthy to be followed. It is worth it for us to lay everything down because it's nothing compared to who you are and what you've done. What a privilege we have to get together as your sons and your daughters to enjoy your presence, Lord God, to praise you like this in such freedom and such liberty, Father. We pray, Father God, for miracles in hearts this morning in the name of Jesus. Miracles in bodies, Lord God, for minds to be set free. For spirits to be revived and to be renewed, Lord God. For lives to be touched and changed, Lord God. And, and for the importation is good, Lord. It's good to get something from you. It's good to receive from you. But as has already been said several times this weekend, Lord God, we so want to change. We want to go home differently. So we pray for transformation, Lord God. We pray that you change us forever, Lord, that we would really just be like a mirror that reflects the light and the love and the life of Jesus Christ in all that we do. Jesus, you are worthy. Father, we honor you and we bless you. And we praise your name. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Father. Let's give the Lord a praise offering this morning and just thank God for the privilege of being here. Thank you to our worship team for a wonderful time of worship. Whenever the anointing is so strong like that, yeah, I've got to really just compose myself to try and say, Mozzie, you've got to speak to somebody. You can't go up there and snort and trana now. Got to be obedient to what the Lord lays on our hearts. Thank you guys and ladies. It's great to have you here. Is anybody here this morning for the first time this weekend so far? Can we see a show of hands? Let's give them a warm round of applause folks. There's several people. Bless you guys. We trust that you feel right at home. You have missed out on lots, but that's okay. You're here now and that's what counts. What is our theme for this year, brothers and sisters? Mission True. What a statement. And the theme scripture is up there. 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 24 speaks about publishing the good deeds and the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's my honored, distinguished privilege this morning to have an opportunity to share God's word with you guys. That's our mission. I want to ask this morning, what is the Christian's ultimate mission? Sometimes if you've been in ministry for longer than three weeks, you'll know that it's mission impossible. Because it seems like an impossible, insurmountable task and something that we can't do. That's why God has called us to do it, so that the world can see that the excellencies of Him and not of ourselves. And it's impossible 
mission sometimes. When you get to the nitty gritty of where people are at, some people are so low they can fly a kite under a carpet and you, I'm being serious now, um, you realize, Lord, I, I can't fix these people. I can't fix these people. This is something that only God can do. So this morning, I'm a practical type of guy. I'm going to speak practically what this means for us as individuals, what it means for us as a ministry, and what does God want us to do about this thing called a mission. And I believe before we even go any further, the foundation, the basis of everything that we do must be the Word of God. It mustn't be no disrespect to my brother Kim over here. It's not according to the citizen or the Eisgenoot, or Radio Bosleis, or the Bolly Magazine, or Willy Wally Eitgehave. It's according to the Word of God. That must be the foundation of what we do. So I'm going to lay that scriptural foundation for us this morning. Is that okay, folks? Give the Lord your undivided attention. Before we can look at our commission, we have to pay attention to two more important things. That's Jesus' great commandment and the great commission. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission. You think, Mozzie, this is the basic stuff. Well, sometimes it's so basic we miss it completely. The Great Commandment. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Matthew 22 from verse 36. And teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. Some of Some of the ladies are thinking I'll be waiting so long to hear you say that. Thank you. I love you guys too. I love you guys too. That's the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, I want to say to you that that's not good enough. It's really not good enough. And I said it in one of the sessions we had over the weekend. You know, when you're having fun, time goes, time goes by so quickly when you're in a coma. I don't know what day it was. He said... Love your neighbor as you love yourself is not good enough. Because there's some people that are in such a bad place that they don't love themselves. They will not love other people. Some people, they, they're permanently offended. They're just looking for a place to manifest. And you think, oh, this is yet serious issues. Well, yeah, because they don't love themselves. They've not realized who they are in Christ Jesus. So that's why Jesus had to come and just stir the pot a little bit. He said, you know, the great commandment, and they asked according to the law. And Jesus answered them according to the law. Actually speaking, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus comes along and he radicalizes the whole thing of love. And in John 13, 34, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. It is so much more than loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Love each other like Jesus loved us. How did he love us? Sacrificially giving his all. That's how he loved us. So that's the great commandment. In John 13, 34, he said that. We have no business trying to fulfill 
the great commission unless we've settled the great commandment. Because I, if I do not have the unconditional love of Jesus Christ to give to people, all I am is a clanging cymbal and a sounding brass, even if I preach like the angel Gabriel. If I don't love people, it counts for nothing. So before we even get to a mission and a commandment, the commission, what is the commandment that we must love like this? Then there's the great commission. I doubt there's a person in the house this morning that doesn't know about this because those that don't know, I'm going to tell you, then you also know. Here's the great commission from Jesus, Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go. Everybody say go. go. No, everybody say go. go. Is it? And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach. Everybody say teach. Teach. Teach who? These new disciples. It's important that we see that we must teach the disciples, not people that are not disciples. Teach the disciples because people that are not disciples think, huh? Eh, this is religious fluff that's irrelevant for today. Teach disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. And this is encouragement. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we've got the foundational scriptural basis settled, the great commandment and the great commission. So getting back to the question, what then is CMA's mission? If the theme is mission true, what exactly is CMA's mission? And it was about two weeks ago that the Lord settled in my heart this message. And I was prepared and ready. And then we had the board meeting. We weren't bored at the meeting. It's the board of directors who we were having a meeting. And it's lacquer. We cared with each other and it's good. And we discussed things there that messed me up completely. I thought, Lord, I can't preach this. I, everything, all these points, I've got to change it, Lord, because where are we at with this? And then also graciously explain to us in the leaders' training where we are. Our vision is clear, but our mission, we're in the process of redefining and looking at and fine-tuning it and making it just right. And that's why I was rattled. But God resettled this in my heart. What is CMA's mission? Now, I've taken this from the CMA website for South Africa. And believe it or not, that's one of the things we need to look at is that there's, there's two Two missions, actually. It's worded differently. It's, it says the same thing, but it's not actually the same thing. You know, it's like six of one and half a dozen of the other. Number one, it says this, to raise up and equip a team of Christian motorcyclists that will be highly visible and credible as they reach out on the highways and byways in compassion without compromise. It says there that this is the mission. But then it also says this, our mission is to reach this world one heart at a time, as we ride for the Son, Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Are you feeling good so far? Okay. So as a shepherd, um, God has given me a pastor's heart. And as a shepherd, you have a staff and you have a rod. You don't have staff. You have a staff and a rod. Okay. So... To what I've used this morning so far is the staff. The staff is that long stick that has the hook that when a sheep is going, you get a scarf with box and eichings, I track dwarfs, you gently put it around the sheep's neck and you steer him or her 
in the right direction so that the uh, uh, becomes again. Use the staff. Stay, stay focused, yeah? And then there comes a time where the shepherd has to use a rod. And now I'm laying down the staff and I'm picking up the rod. Are you ready, brothers and sisters? So before I use the rod, please understand this. I'm speaking, uh, God is speaking to me this morning as well. I'm not here as somebody that's arrived, somebody that has all the answers, somebody that has his act together. I'm, I'm weak, I'm fallible, I make mistakes. For in all the years I've been preaching, I've probably made like three mistakes. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say is that there's red blood in my veins, folks. And the rod is not to punish, it's to correct for the good. But there comes a time when we've got to use a rod as well, and I'm going to use a rod this morning. And I'm not preaching this lightheartedly. I'm honestly standing here in fear and trembling because this is pertaining to the eternal lives of people. So before I use the rod, let me encourage us all this morning with the scripture. I want you to be encouraged by this, regardless of how fruitful you think you've been in your life as a Christian, please be encouraged with this this morning. And it's from 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. So, dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So everything we've done up to now is not being useless. It's counted for something somehow, somewhere along the line. It's made a difference in somebody's life. Whether you are a walking, talking, demon-chasing, Bible-preaching, gospel machine that leads people to the Lord all the time, or you're somebody that hasn't had the privilege yet of leading somebody in a, in a sinner's prayer, somehow what you're doing as a Christian has had a positive effect on somebody's life somewhere. Are you feeling encouraged this morning? All right, get ready for the rod. So having said that, why after 43 years of ministry in a country are our numbers lower than they've ever been? Nobody's shouting amen, preach it, Mozzie. Why? After 43 years of ministry, our numbers are lower than they've ever been. Why? And as a CMA, I've got to look at myself. And I've got to look at some Mozzie, you've got to do something different. Is it possible that we've drifted off our mission? If we have to be mission true, it means that sometimes we're mission untrue. Or we're mission unfaithful. Or we've drifted off our mission. And as CMA is, and just as a Christian, full stop, pint, what is our mission? Is it possible we've drifted off our mission because of statements like this? And now I'm going to get popular. Uh, unpopular. Yeah, unpopular. Is it possible that we've drifted off our mission because of statements like this? Winning, winning motorcyclists, their family and friends to Christ. It sounds so right, eh? Maar misschien het ek myself te lang blind gestaar aan motorcyclists. To fall die lucht. Some of you are seeing it. Maybe I've just been focusing too much on motorcyclists. This thought came to mind. Does 
Do, do, do people that recruit and build armies together, do they go and find soldiers to become soldiers? Who do they find to become soldiers? Regular Josephs, normal citizens. Don't raise your hands now, but how many of you here come from the hardcore one percenter or patch background and have now decided to walk a walk in CMA? I tell you now, it's the, by far the minority. Is it possible that we've perhaps been looking in the wrong places for soldiers to join this army? Is it possible, folks? Maybe it's because I've been focusing too much. You say, but Mossy, that's the mission. Yes, it is. But how are we going to achieve the mission? If I've been doing that to the core and been mission true, why do the numbers look like they do? I'm, I'm just leaving that with you this morning. No, no prizes will be given for guessing what was said first. Jesus' great commandment and great commission or CMA's mission? What came first? What came first? You see, we are Christian Motorcyclist Association. Sometimes we place so much emphasis on the motorcyclist that now and done, no, no and done. I'm trying to preach in English but thinking in Afrikaans. Yeah, mingles. Yeah, mingles. Um, <laughs> by the way, that uh, resurrection boss from one of the lacquer. Maybe it's because I'm focusing so much on the motorcyclist part that, you know, there's not enough evidence in my life for me to be called a Christian. Maybe those are the reasons that we're sitting with the numbers that we are. And please don't feel bad, but folks, stock taking is good. It's good to take an honest, hard look at ourselves and say, Lord, what are we doing? All right. Is it possible we've drifted off our mission because I'm focusing too much on bikers? Think about it. Is it possible? Is it possible? Yeah, but that's our mission. Yes, but how would we achieve the mission, folks? If that is what the end all and be all of what we do, then why are we at the place where we are at today? Is it possible that I've not looked at what Jesus actually said? That what Jesus actually said comes before what we as a ministry have actually said. That what Jesus had on his heart comes before what we actually have on our heart. Jesus said, all nations. Everybody say, all nations. That's what Jesus said. That's what he had in mind. He had all nations. And he said, this world. Maybe it's because I've been too focused in the specifics of our mission, that I've missed what Jesus has said, and because of that, we've drifted off our mission. Is it possible we've drifted off our mission because we focus too much on the typical patch culture biker instead of motorcyclists in general? The majority of registered motorcyclists in this country will never wear a patch. So if you desperately need fish, I mean fish is what you need. You've got to have fish. They can give you whatever it is as long as it's fish. Okay? You get the point. You need fish. You need fish. And there's this massive, massive, massive lake full of fish. And then there's this little pothole that's been filled with water. But you spend all your time, energy, finances, resources, paying prices and making huge sacrifices, fishing for fish in the pothole, never visiting the huge lake. <coughs> that's a special kind of stupid. <laughs> Maybe it's time. 
Maybe it's time we look at the lake, my brother, my sister. It's lacquer at the pothole because they like us at the pothole. We welcome at the pothole. We're familiar with the pothole. We're comfortable with the pothole. But let's move away from the freaking pothole and get to the lake and see the abundance where the net won't be big enough to catch it all because Jesus is in it. Maybe that's why we're sitting where we are at today. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's possible. So we, yeah, you know, as you can see, I'm a, a quiet, shy, withdrawn person. And in one of our meetings several years ago, it took me a while to be obedient. Several years ago, the Lord just quickened me. How about we have something called a no-color run? Well, what's a no-color run? It's, well, we, we're going to run. We, we lay down this, and we just go and evangelize without this and see what happens. Several reasons to see how effective are we if we don't have this to open the door. Because, because God is in this. And please, yummy, I'm just as much a CMA as the next person. Okay. Yeah, my heart. But God has used this to open doors. And it's effective. It is really, really effective. When people need help, they know exactly where to go to. You know, I wish at a rally site that I was so anointed that at a distance they can just see me glowing in the dark. I look like a neon light part of the stage, or they could see my halo. But that is not so. The reality is, they see the colors rock, and they know exactly who to go to when they need help. I get that. But we want to see how effective are we when this doesn't open a door, open a door. How effective are we? What atmosphere do we create? What influence do we have on people when we go to a place of bikers or people, and there's not this? We advertised it for months, months. You know how many people in our area pitched for the no-color run? Besides the ghosts from Joburg that came and supported us. Bless you guys. Two. Two people supported the no-color run, Yella. And I thought, Lord, how many of us have our identity and who we are wrapped up in this? Jesus, help us. It was not popular. I don't care. We did the exercise and it proved the point. So many of us are wrapped up in this. How effective are we in sharing the good news of our best friend with people when we don't have this on our backs? Is it possible that that's why we've drifted off our mission? Can you just go and just don't be teachy or preachy or have Bibles under your arm, but just share your love life that you have with Jesus with other people? Can we do that? without our colors. You know? It, it eats me, and the guys in our area know this. I'm, I'm, I'm a stuck record when it comes to this. We go to day jewels and outreaches, and there's the CMAs in a bunch all eating at the same table because it's lacquer. Instead of going, sit, going to sit with somebody you do not know, hi, my name is Mozzie. You like your mace with that? <laughs> I said that to somebody once, and I thought I was sharp, but he's sharper. I said, hi, my name is Mozzie, you like your Mesofan? He says, I get the answer, my sin. I was like, mm, okay. I didn't ever come back. <laughs> yeah, so we go to the day jewels now, to just near the CMAs together and stuff like that. That's not the time and place of fellowship. That's a battleground. But anyway, enough of that. So, how effective are we evangelism without this patch? We have to go back. We have to. Go back home when we leave to our areas, brothers and sisters. We have to go back and do something different. We have to do something different. And, and oh, 
Lord, if, if I, and, and I say this in all humility, please just hear my heart this morning. I don't want to be offensive for the sake of being funny and getting people to laugh when you preach. But if we keep on doing what we're doing, next year will probably look bleaker. And, and, I, and I love it when people get their colors. We're going to have a wonderful time this morning where people get wings and stuff like that. But for a long time in my heart, when we do colors presentations, I have this... I have this turmoil in me because I'm thinking, Lord, why aren't the numbers staying? Why aren't the numbers staying? We're like the sausage machine where people come and the average time of commitment and service of the average CMA is five years. And they come and they go, why? Something has to change. When we leave here this weekend and go back to fulfill our mission, true statement, something has to change. Jesus speaks about this. He says, new wines and new skins. In Matthew 9, 17, he says, you can't put new wine in old skins or old wine in new skins. You need new wine and new skins. I'm getting a little bit teachy this morning. But there's two different words used for new there. The one is kainos and the one is neos. The new is new in kind and the kainos is new in time. So maybe we've got to do something new in a different way. It speaks about new wine in new skins to bring the change. Folks, God is demanding we as an organization change in the name of everything that is sacred. We have to do something different or else we're not going to produce different results. Einstein, God bless his soul, said that one of the definitions or kenmerker from insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. Are we chasing numbers? No. But we want to see the kingdom of heaven populated and the kingdom of hell plundered. We want to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we have to have new wine. And when you say, you know, the story is going to say, no. New wine, new revelation, new anointing, new vision, new wisdom, a new art, new passion, new something spiritually. And then the time, new ways of doing things, new in time and new in kind. We need that, ladies and gentlemen, we need it to make a difference. Now for us to even have a mission in the first place, we have to have a purpose. We have to have a purpose. And what is our purpose? Well, what I'm sending you on a mission. I'm all like... <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, like these guys, they, I know they, they're doing their job, you know, they're like, uh, uh, not weekend warriors, that's disrespectful. Um, these citizens that, that make crime, they, they take it on personally and that's good, and they're like dressed with all this gear, and the guy doesn't even know how to draw his pistol quick enough out of his holster. He's dressed all this gear, like all the gear and no idea. He's tactical, not tactical, he's tactical, you know. Um, how do they even get on this? Yeah, yeah. So you're dressed up like this, but you're all ready to go and like, okay, what are we going to do? I don't know. Where are we going? Yeah, we're talking. Mark's read. So to even have a mission, we've got to have a reason. What is the reason and what is our purpose to be on this mission? Why must we be about going on this mission? Well, here's the reason. And this is going to get deep and spiritual here now, okay? First, to have a mission, we must have a purpose. So there's this. And you'll, if you live in South Africa, you're familiar with this. There's these tens of thousands of people, and there's a protest march. 
and it's the flags, and it's the banners, and it's the jujus, and it's the hooters, and it's the whatever. They're all marching, and the people in the front of the crowds, and there's thousands, it's a big crowd, they're screaming, equal rights, equal rights, equal rights. And a couple of thousand people back in the middle of the crowd, they're not really sure what's going on, you know. So they're thinking, well, it must be about the load shedding, and they're shouting, electric lights, electric lights, electric lights. And the people right at the very back, they're completely clueless. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what it's about. They're shouting, big corn bites, big corn bites. No clue why they're doing what they're doing. No purpose, no reason. It's all swiskinswa. No purpose, no reason. Find a reason. Find, let God, who's it? George said, uh, you can't really suffer from burnout unless you've never really been on fire for the Messiah. It's time we got on fire for the Messiah. Be consumed by the passion of God for the lost. That's our purpose. That's why there's a mission. That's why there's CMA. That's why God has chosen this instrument, as funny and weird as we are. I mean, look at us, man. I mean, look at me. Like, really? You know, like, seriously? Why would God choose this? I don't know. He must know better. We've got to have a reason. And what is our reason? What is our purpose? Well, God's whole purpose, God's whole purpose for the great commandment and the great commission, and this needs to be settled in our hearts. People say, well, what's our purpose? Well, there's no greater purpose than this. I'll, I'll, I'll quote this in that All things work together for the good for those who love the Lord and those who are the called according to His purpose. And stop on snedah. That's Romans 8.28. Verse 29 says, Therefore whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Folks, our purpose. You want to know what your purpose is in life? As you begin to lose this you like a lost fart in a perfume factory. Oops. Sorry. Sorry. You, you're a bit of flatulence in a perfume factory. If you want to know what your purpose is in life, that's it. It's to become like Jesus. And as you can see, I'm nowhere near there yet. That's our purpose. To become like Jesus. So these themes and these slogans, and well, it's great, and the badges, and it's wonderful. But our purpose, folks, is to become like Jesus. It's to become like Jesus. That's our real mission. What does it help if I win the world but miss out on intimacy with Jesus? What does it help? If I miss out on intimacy with Jesus, and if we're to become like Jesus, we're going to have to give up something. Get this here. Jesus um, isn't just, uh, wasn't just the Jesus that we know him to be, that we got to know him to be here on earth. He came, born in a manger, grew up, submitted himself to his parents, started preaching in the temple at 12 years old, rattling their cages. Then at the age of 30, after he was baptized, Holy Spirit came upon him, started preaching, said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's not, wasn't just that Jesus. He was the Jesus and is the Jesus in heaven. Perfection. Never ever having walked as a human being. Never ever having to have subjected himself to the abuse of mankind. Never ever having to wash the feet of people that would betray him. He gave all of that up so that we could inherit that. He gave all of that up. This Jesus gave something up before he started his mission here 
on earth. 30 years of personal leadership and development. Three and a half years of public leadership and development. 12 hours in fulfilling his personal destiny. Jesus gave up so much so that we could receive what he has for us, eternal life with the Father. So in becoming like Jesus, we're going to have to give up something. Philippians 2, 6 to 11, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to be clung to, to cling to. Instead, he gave up, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Three things I want to highlight from that passage of scripture. Just quickly, please. Hang in there. Are you still with me, folks? Yes. Okay, nudge your neighbor and say, Vodvakar. But gently, don't hit each other so hard, man. Come on. Okay. Three things. Divine privileges, criminal's death, and elevated. Divine privileges. So, so it's divine, so it's from God. What promises of God are you holding on to that you're not prepared to give up? Because it's your scriptural right. Think about that for a little bit. What are you holding on to? It's divine privileges, Mozzie. It's promised in the word. I'm going to name it and I'll claim it. It's mine. I believe it. It's in the word. But are you willing to give it up? Jesus gave up divine privileges just like that in the Bible. What are you not willing to give up to become like Jesus, to be effective in your mission, to fulfill the great commandment, to fulfill the great commission? Divine privileges. Maybe some of the things that we think we're entitled to. I'm entitled to divine protection, divine health, abundance, provision all the time, right? No. You know, I'm, in, I'm entitled to supernatural healing all the time, right? No. I spoke about it uh, at, you know, yesterday. About the heroes of faith that didn't see the end of their faith. Check out Hebrews 11. Very challenging passage of scripture. So divine privileges. Maybe we need to be willing to relinquish some of those rights, folks. The second thing is a criminal's death. Are we willing, what you, your, your purpose and your mission and your goal, is it really worth dying for? Is it worth dying for? And the, the, the five prices that a leader has to play, uh, pay, that we heard about over the weekend so far, it costs you something. Are you willing to lay down your life for this mission? You say, yeah, it's easy. you know, folks, in South Africa as Christians, we haven't faced persecution yet. Listen, persecution is not when you get a puncture, see. Persecution is not when one of your several modes of transport are inoperative. Persecution is not when the aircon packs up. Persecution is not when they pay you late. That's not persecution. Persecution says, deny Jesus Christ or I shoot your kid in the head. Deny Jesus Christ or I amputate your wife. Some of the guys are like, yes, go for it. Come on, Yella. Persecution is coming. It's coming. Are we really, really ready for it? We experience a measure of it where they don't invite you to bras or UN functions or Christmas parties or you don't get promoted or whatever because of your Christian stance or whatever the case may be. But persecution is coming. So he died a criminal's death, as Ramon spoke about yesterday evening. A criminal's death. You've never really lived until you've almost died 
And for those who have had to fight for it, life holds a flavor that the protected will never know. Jesus died a criminal's death. And the third point from that is that God elevated Jesus. He elevated Jesus. But where did he elevate him to? And when you say, when I, when I, what picture comes to your mind when I say God elevated Jesus? You, you imagine Jesus at the right hand of the Father, right? Come on. Let me try that this side. You imagine Jesus at the right hand of the Father, right? Rightly so. But you know where Jesus was actually elevated? When he was actually elevated? It's not at the ascension. He was elevated because this enabled him to be elevated. He was elevated when he served. That's when the real elevation took place. You see, the kingdom of heaven is an upside down kingdom. You've got to die to live. You've got to give to get. Jesus was elevated when he served. That's when he was elevated. And because of that, the ascension then took place and he seated at the right hand of the Father. So, when you think I'm getting elevated, I'm getting promoted, he's going to elevate you to a place of sacrificial service. Ladies and gentlemen, the crux of Christianity is sacrificial service. That is it. And yes, it's a joy. Yes, it's a privilege. Yes, it's an honor. But it's sacrificial service. Elevation. To be a servant of other people. The greatest thing any human being can ever aspire to become is the servant of another. I'm going to finish with this catchphrase. Aspire to inspire before you expire. You can take that home. It's for free. I'll, I'll just put it up. Aspire to inspire before you expire. Let's close off and pray. I don't know where you are at this morning, my brother, my sister. But maybe you need God to just redefine for you your purpose here in life and what it means to become like Jesus. Maybe there are areas in your life where you know you, you, you're not like Jesus. You need, you need God's help to become like this. You need God's help to just clarify, Lord, where and how Lord, for me in my area, what is the new wine? What is the new wineskin for my area specifically? For me in my home, in my marriage, amongst my children, my family, my siblings, my colleagues, what does it mean for me, Lord? And if you're at a place, my brother, my sister, and if you're visiting with us this morning, you're in any way unsure of your relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's just a swear word that slips out of your mouth from time to time or somebody does something silly in the traffic and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior we want to give you an opportunity this morning to make your, your heart right with God and we're not talking about membership of any organization or any church but just being right with God in your heart if you are at any place in your life where you are unsure please intercessors continue to pray now this is critical at this time of our celebration this morning. As we're in this attitude of prayer, and you're just doing business with God right there where you sit. I want to ask you these four questions. Are you confident in your heart that you are secure in your relationship with God? The second question is, if you had to die right now by whatever means and you stood before God and He said, why must I let you into heaven? What would you say? Would you be unsure? The third question is, 
If somebody came to you and said, I hear you're a Christian. What must I do to get into heaven? How would you answer that person? And then the fourth question is, if you feel that you deserve to get into heaven, why do you feel you deserve to get into heaven and a bigger sinner, so to speak, does not deserve to get into heaven? If you ponder those four questions as the Holy Spirit speaks to you this morning, as we continue to pray and, and focus on Jesus, if your answer in any way has got to do with something, well, Mozzie, I've done this, I've given that, I do that. If it's got anything to do with what you do, my brother, my sister, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. The scripture says that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works that nobody can boast. So if you are in any way this morning unsure of your salvation, you're not 120% sure that you're going to live forever with Jesus. If that's you, please, please, please raise your hand. Anybody like that you have this morning? Anybody? Please raise. Don't care about who's thinking or who sees. It's about you and God. Anybody else? His hands going up everywhere. Bless you guys. Thank you. Anybody else? Maybe you said this prayer many times, but you're still not sure. And that's okay. As Ramon said last night, you need Jesus every moment of your day, man. Not just a once-off thing. Anybody else? I'm going to ask one more time. Anybody's hands? Okay. You can put your hands down. For those folks that have raised your hands, please just pray with me in your hearts right there where you see them. And pray like this. God in heaven. Come to you this morning in Jesus name and Lord I acknowledge this morning that I'm a sinner and Lord maybe it's because of something I've done or whatever or the devil's told me I'm not sure and I want to be sure that I can live with you forever I ask you God forgive me in Jesus Christ's name I am sorry Jesus I believe that you're God's son I believe that you died and that you rose again from the grave and that your blood paid the price to wash me clean of my sins so that today, this morning, here and now, I can ask for forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. Accept me as your child. Give me a new heart and put your spirit within me. Thank you for dying for me and thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. And I commit this morning, Lord, as I pray, Holy Spirit, help me, fill me, Baptize me and enable me to live and follow Jesus all the days of my life as hard as it gets until he comes or my heart stops. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we continue to pray, please, I'm almost done, folks. Just please bear with me. For those, those of us that are already involved in, in sacrificial service, say, Lord, I, I need help. What is the new wine? And what is the new wineskin, Lord? How can I apply this message to my life, to me, where I'm at? And as a leader, how can I go aspire to inspire others before I expire to teach others this, Lord? Lord, we ask for wisdom that you'd show us, that you'd guide us and help us to change the way we do things in a way that brings glory and honor to you, Lord, that establishes the kingdom of God in people's hearts. And we bless and thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Bless and thank you, guys. We love and appreciate you all. Continue to have a God encounter. Thank you for making the time to listen this morning. Thank you. If you enjoyed this session and you'd like to know more about us, 
then please come and connect with us through our website, our social media platforms, and come subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are listed below. Beyond that, we trust that you have an incredible week.